Book six, chapter four of a family of noblemen by Mikhail Saltikov Shedrin, translated by Avram Yarmolinsky, eighteen ninety to nineteen seventy five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Book six, the deserted manor house, chapter four as a result of this scene yudushka's life outwardly changed for the better distracted by no material hindrances he gave himself completely over to his solitude so that he did not even notice how the summer passed away it was late in august the days grew shorter it drizzled ceaselessly and the soil became boggy the trees looked mournful with their yellow leaves bestrewing the ground absolute silence reigned in the courtyard and about the servants quarters the domestics sat quietly under cover partly because of the weather partly because they finally perceived that something was the matter with the master yevpraxia came completely to her senses forgot the silk dresses and her lovers and sat in the maid's room for hours on end brooding and wondering what she could do the drunken prokhor teased her that she had designs on the master's life that she had poisoned him and she could not escape the road to siberia meanwhile yudushka sat in his study deep in reveries the ceaseless patter of the rain on the window panes lulled him half to sleep the most favourable state for the play of his fancy he imagined he was invisible and was inspecting his possessions accompanied by old ilya who had served as bailiff under yudushka's father and whose bones had long since been rotting in the village courtyard ilya is a clever fellow argued porfiry vladimirych with himself glad that ilya had arisen from the dead an old servant nowadays his kind is getting rare nowadays they know how to chat and fidget but when it comes to business they're good for nothing after saying an appropriate prayer yudushka and ilya picked their way leisurely across meadows and ravines dales and hills and soon reached the ukovshina waste for a while they stand dazed unable to believe their own eyes straight before them looms up a magnificent pine forest their tops tossing in the wind some of the trees are so big in circumference that two or even three men could not embrace them their trunks are straight naked crowned with mighty spreading tops all signs of vigour and longevity what a forest brother exclaims yudushka enraptured this wood has been protected from felling explains ilya under your late grandfather mikhail vasilievich a procession with holy icons went around it and look how tall the trees have grown how large do you think the forest is at that time it held just seventy desyatins and the desyatin was then as you know one and a half times the present size and how many trees do you think are there on one desyatin i can't tell only god has counted them i reckon there are no less than six or seven hundred trees to a desyatin i mean the desyatin now used wait if we take the number to be six hundred or let us say six hundred and fifty trees how many trees are there on one hundred and five desyatins porfiry vladimirych takes a sheet of paper and multiplies one hundred five by sixty-five and gets six thousand eight hundred twenty-five trees now see here if i were to sell all this timber do you think i can get ten roubles a tree old ilya shakes his head ten is little he says look at these trees 
each trunk will give two mill beams and some planks and boards and firewood what do you think is the price of a mill wheel beam porfiry vladimirych makes believe he does not know although he figured out everything to a kopeck long ago here continues the peasant a beam is worth ten roubles but if we take it to moscow it will be worth its weight in gold it is a tremendous beam you will hardly haul it on a three-horse team and think of the second beam that can be made out of the stem and the boards and laths and firewood and branches twenty roubles i should think is the lowest price for a tree porfiry vladimirych listens and takes in his words greedily a clever faithful servant this ilya and how well he has picked out his help old vavilo ilya's assistant he too has been resting in the churchyard for a good many years is quite worthy of his superior the foresters too are all tried stalwart men and the hounds at the corn lofts are fierce both the men and the dogs are ready to grapple with the devil himself for the master's good let's figure out brother if we sell the whole forest what will it come to porfiry vladimirych again makes a mental calculation of the value of a large beam a smaller beam a plank a lath the firewood and the branches he adds up multiplies now omitting fractions now adding them columns of numbers fill the sheet here is the total brother says yudushka showing ilya's phantom an altogether fabulous sum the old servant is dazed is it not a little too large he says pensively shrugging his shoulders but porfiry vladimirych has already cast off all doubts and giggles gleefully you are a queer fellow brother he exclaims it isn't i who say it it's the number that says it there is a science called arithmetic it never tells a lie brother well this will do for ukovshina now let's have a look at lisiyami brother it's a long time since i have been there i have a strong suspicion the peasants have become thievish there's garanka the guard i know i know garanka is a good faithful guard that's true enough still you know it seems to me he is not what he used to be either they plough noiselessly and unseen through a birch thicket and stop suddenly holding their breath a peasant's cart lies sprawling across the road on its side and the peasant is standing by looking at the broken axle in perplexity he has been standing there for some time cursing the axle and himself and whipping the horse now and then finally he sees he cannot loaf there all day long he looks around and pricks up his ears to make sure no one is coming along the road then he selects a suitable birch tree and takes out an axe meanwhile yudushka stands motionless and watches the young birch shudders sways and suddenly sinks to the ground like a sheaf of corn reaped by the sickle the thief is about to lop off the length of an axle from the trunk but yudushka has decided that the moment has come he steals upon him and in a trice snatches the axe from his hand ah is all the thief taken red-handed has time to exclaim ah yudushka mimics him are you allowed to steal timber ah is it your birch tree you have just felled forgive me sir i forgave everyone long ago brother i am myself a sinner before the lord and i dare not judge another it is the law not i that condemns you take the tree you have felled to the manor house and pay up a fine of one rouble in the meantime i shall keep your axe don't you worry it is in good hands brother 
glad that he was able to prove to ilya how well grounded were his suspicions in regard to garanka yudushka transports himself in imagination to the forester's cottage and reprimands him soundly on his way back home he catches three hens belonging to peasants in the act of feeding on his oats back in his study he falls again to work and a peculiar system of household management is suddenly born in his brain the system is based on the assumption that all mankind suddenly has begun to steal his wood and damage his fields by letting cattle graze upon them but this does not grieve yudushka on the contrary he rubs his hands in delight let your cattle graze on my fields fell my trees i shall be the better off for it he repeats hugely pleased then he takes a fresh sheet of paper and resumes his ciphering and reckoning the problems to be solved are these first how much oats grows on one desyatin and what will the fines amount to if the peasant's hens scratch the oats up and second how many birches grow in lisiyami and how much money can they bring in if the peasants fell them illegally and pay the fine a birch though felled reflects yudushka gleefully will in the end get to the house and be used as firewood firewood free of charge mind you long rows of figures appear on the paper yudushka becomes so tired and excited that he rises from the table all perspiring and lies down on the sofa to rest here his imagination does not cease its work it merely selects an easier theme mamma was a clever woman mamma was muses porfiry vladimirych she knew how to be exacting and how to set one at ease that is why people served her so willingly still she was not without sin oh yes she had plenty of them no sooner does yudushka think of arina petrovna than she appears before him in person coming straight from the grave i don't know my friend i don't know what fault you have to find with me she says dejectedly it seems to me that i i know i know yudushka cuts her short unceremoniously let me be frank and thrash out the matter with you for instance why did you not stop aunt varvara mikhailovna that time but how in the world could i stop her she was of age and she had the full right to dispose of herself oh no permit me mother dear what sort of a husband had she an old drunkard not much of a man i should say nevertheless they had four children where did they come from i'm asking you but how strangely you speak my friend as if i were the cause of it all cause or no cause you could have influenced her you ought to have treated her kindly she would have been shamed by you but you did the contrary you kept on scolding her and calling her shameless and you suspected almost every man in the neighborhood of being her lover of course she kicked up the dust it's a pity the goryushkino estate would have been ours now you cannot forget that goryushkino says arina petrovna evidently brought to a standstill what do i care for goryushkino i don't need anything if i have enough to buy a church candle and some oil for the image lamp i am satisfied but what about justice dear mamma justice yes mother dear i would be glad to hold my tongue but i cannot help being frank with you there's a sin on your conscience a great sin indeed arina petrovna does not answer and it is impossible to tell whether she is dejected or merely perplexed another thing yudushka goes on evidently reveling in mother dear's embarrassment why did you buy a house for brother stepan 
I had to, my friend. I had to give him some share, says Arina Petrovna, trying to defend herself. And he squandered it away, of course, as if you did not know him. You knew he was a loafer, a disrespectful, foul-mouthed scamp. And to think that you wanted to give him the Vologda village, too. A neat little estate with a nice little forest and a tiny lake lying like a shelled egg, Christ be with it. It is well that I happened to be around and kept you from taking that imprudent step. Ah, oh, mamma dear, mamma dear, how could you? But he was a son of mine, you understand? A son. I know, I understand very well. And still, I repeat, you ought not to have done it. You paid twelve thousand for the house. Where is the money? And Goryushkino is worth at least fifteen thousand. So the loss comes to quite a sum well that will do that will do don't be angry with me please don't i am not angry dearest mother i am only upholding the cause of justice what's true is true and i loathe falsehood i was born with truth have lived with truth and with truth i shall die god loves truth and he would have us too love it take the case of pogorelka for instance i shall always say you invested too much money in it but i myself live there Yudushka clearly reads, you silly bloodsucker, on his mother's face, but he makes believe he does not. Well, yes, you live there. Still, the image case is in Pogorelka. Whose is it, I'd like to know? And the pony and the tea caddy. I saw that tea caddy at Golovliovo with my own eyes when papa was still alive. What a beautiful little box. Well, but, no, dearest mother, let me speak. Of course, it looks like a trifling matter, but a rouble here, half a rouble there, come to quite a sum in the end. Let me use exact figures and make it clear to you. Figures are holy, they never lie. Porfiry Vladimirych runs over to the table with the intention of finally determining the exact amount of loss that his mother dear had caused him to sustain. He manipulates the counting board, covers sheets of paper with rows of figures, arms himself to convict Arina Petrovna. But fortunately for her, his wavering thoughts cannot remain fixed on one subject for a long time. Unnoticed by himself, a new thought enters his mind, and as if by magic gives an entirely different trend to his ideas. The image of his mother, a minute ago so clear before his eyes, suddenly drops away. He forgets her. His notions become confused. Other notions enter his mind. Porfiry Vladimirych has long had the intention of figuring out what his crops could bring him in. The opportune moment is here. He knows the peasant is always in want, is always on the lookout to borrow provender, and always pays his debts with interest. He knows also that the peasant is especially generous with his work, which costs him nothing and is not considered as possessing any value in settling accounts. There are many needy people in Russia. Oh, how many! There are many people who do not know what the next day will bring them, who see nothing but despair and emptiness wherever they turn their weary eyes, and who hear everywhere only one clamor, pay your debt, pay your debt. It is around these shiftless, utterly destitute men that Yudushka weaves his net with a delight passing sometimes into an orgy. It is April, and the peasant, as usual, has nothing to eat. You have gobbled up all your crops, my dear fellows, Porfiry Vladimirych muses. All winter you feasted, and in spring your stomach is shriveled from hunger. 
he has just settled the accounts of last year's crops the threshing was completed in february the grain was in the granaries in march and the amount was recorded in the numerous books the other day yudushka stands at the window and waits on the bridge afar off the peasant foka appears in his cart at the bend of the road leading to golovliovo he shakes the reins rather hastily and for want of a whip hits his battered jade with his fist he's heading here whispers yudushka look at the horse a wonder it can drag its feet but if you had fed it well a month or two it would become quite a horse you might get twenty-five roubles for it or even as much as thirty meanwhile foka drives up to the servant's house he ties the animal to the hedge throws it a handful of hay and a minute later stands in the maid's quarters shifting from one foot to another it is in the maid's quarters that porfiry vladimirych usually receives such visitors well friend how are things going please sir what i need is some corn how's that are you through with your own what a pity if you drank less vodka and worked more and prayed to god the soil would feel it where one grain grows now two grains would grow then there would be no need for you to borrow focus smiles vaguely instead of replying you think if god is far from us he does not see porfiry vladimirych goes on moralizing god is here and there and everywhere he is with us while we are talking here he sees everything and hears everything he only pretends not to see things let my creatures live after their own way and we shall see whether they will remember me and we sinners take advantage of that and instead of buying a candle for god from our meagre means we keep on going to the public house that's why god gives us no corn am i not right friend you are quite right sir there's no denying it well you see you understand it now and why is it that you understand it because the lord withdrew his mercy from you if you had had an abundant crop of corn you would carry on again but since god right sir and if wait a minute let me say a word the lord recalls himself to those who forgot him that is always the case and we must not grumble over it but understand that god does it for our good were we to remember god he would never forget us he would grant us everything corn and oats and potatoes more than we need and he would take care of our animals look at your horse it is skin and bones and if you have chickens he would keep them in condition too you are quite right sir man's first duty is to honor god man's second duty is to honor his superiors those who have been distinguished by the czars themselves the gentry for instance it seems to me sir that i that's just it it seems to me but give a little thought to the matter and you will find out that it's all different now when you have come to borrow corn you are very respectful and bland but two years ago you remember when i needed harvesters and came to you peasants to ask for help what did you answer we have to harvest ourselves you said it is not the way it used to be you said when we worked for the landlords now we are free free and no corn yudushka looks at foka but foka does not stir you are very proud that's why you have no luck take me for example the lord has blessed me and the czar has distinguished me but i am not proud how can i be what am i but a worm a moth a nothing god took and blessed me for my humility he loaded me with favors and put it into the czar's mind to favor me too porfiry vladimirych i think that under serfdom we were far better off foka remarks playing the flatterer 
yes brother those were fine days for you peasants you had plenty of everything corn and hay and potatoes but why recall the old times i am not rancorous i have long forgotten about the harvesters i only mentioned them in passing let me see did you say you needed corn yes i did sir you have come to buy some have you how can i i should like to borrow some until the new corn comes my my corn is not to be had for money nowadays i really don't know what to do with you porfiry vladimirych ponders for a while as if really perplexed i can lend you some corn my friend he finally says i have none for sale for i loathe to traffic in god's gifts but i will gladly lend you some corn today i'll lend it to you tomorrow you'll lend to me today i have plenty take some help yourself you want a measure of corn take a measure you want half a measure take half a measure tomorrow may find me knocking at your window saying dear foka lend me half a measure of corn i have nothing to eat oh sir will you come to me i shall not that was merely an example the world has seen greater reverses there was napoleon about whom the newspapers have written so much that's how it is brother so how much corn do you want a, a, a measure if you please well i can let you have a measure only let me warn you corn is tremendously dear nowadays this is what we are going to do i shall give you six chetveriks and in eight months you will deliver a measure to me i don't take any interest but an additional chetverik or two yudushka's offer makes folk a gasp for some time he says nothing only shrugs his shoulders won't that be a bit too much sir he asks at last evidently alarmed if it's too much go to others you see my friend i am not forcing you i am only making you an offer in a friendly way i didn't send for you did i you came here yourself you came to ask for something and that's my answer isn't it so friend well, yes quite so but don't you think it's too much interest ah 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 and i thought you were a just respectable peasant well you will say to me what am i going to live on how will i meet my expenses do you know what expenses i have my dear man there is no end to them i've got to pay here and meet my obligations there and produce cash in a third place i've got to satisfy everyone all are after porfiry vladimirych all ask something of him and i've got to get along with them as best i can and then again if i sold the corn to the dealer i should get money at once and money my friend is a sacred thing with money i can buy securities put them in a safe place and draw interest no worry you know of any kind no trouble at all just clip the coupon and get your money but with the corn you've got to go carefully about it and look after it and all that a lot of it will dry up and be wasted and the mice will eat it up no brother money is the best thing nothing like it it would be high time for me to become sensible and turn everything into money and leave you folks oh porfiry vladimirych stay with us well my dear man i should like to but i can't stand it any longer if i had the strength of my youth of course i would stay with you and keep at it but no it's time to rest i will go to the trinity monastery i will find shelter under the wing of the saints and not a soul will hear from me and how good i'll feel all will be peaceful and quiet and honest no noise no quarrels like in heaven in a word in spite of all of foka's protestations 
Porfiry Vladimirych arranges the bargain to suit himself. But that is not enough. At the very moment that Foka consents to the terms of the loan, a thought flashes through Yudushka's mind. A certain Shelapika meadow appears on the scene. It doesn't amount to much, hardly a desyatin to mow. You see, I am doing you a favor, so you do me one in return, says Porfiry Vladimirych. This is not interest, but just a favor. God does favors to us all, and we've got to do likewise to one another. You will mow this desyatin in no time, and I'll be much obliged to you. You see, brother, I am a plain man. You'll do me a ruble's worth of service, and I... Porfiry Vladimirych rises, faces the church, and makes the sign of the cross to show that the transaction is at an end. Foka also rises and makes the sign of the cross. Foka has disappeared. Porfiry Vladimirych produces a sheet of paper, arms himself with the counting board, and the beads begin jumping fast under his skillful fingers. Little by little, an orgy of numbers commences. The whole world becomes enwrapped in mist. With feverish haste, Yudushka passes from the paper to the counting board and from the counting board to the paper. The rows of figures keep growing larger and larger. End of Book 6 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine